0: It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. everyone my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper an international true crime podcast i'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares tonight i'm covering a case that spans both australia and indonesia and it's a story that you won't soon forget we all have those friends that we've had for what feels like forever the ones who come in and out of your life as you each forge your own paths but when you reunite, it feels as if no time has passed. You know the friendships I'm talking about, right? In 2016, Mirna Salehin would meet up with a group of friends just like this to catch up over some coffee. The young and healthy Mirna would die within less than half of an hour of this get-together. No one had any idea what could have happened to her until a medical exam was performed and video surveillance footage from the cafe was reviewed. You won't believe what happened to Mirna and who was responsible for her death during what was supposed to be a reunion of good friends. Now let's jump in. Wayan Mirna Salihin was born on March 30th, 1988 in Jakarta, Indonesia. She was the daughter of a fairly wealthy businessman and she also had a twin sister. Unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot posted online about Myrna, probably because she was from Indonesia, so I'll try to give you as much detail as I can about her. By the reports that I've read, it appears that she had a very happy, very normal childhood, and she knew from an early age that she wanted to grow up to be a graphic designer. So after she graduated from high school in 2007, she decided to attend graphic design school at the Billy Blue College of Design in Sydney, which is one of Australia's most well-known design schools. For this reason, it's not uncommon for the school to have foreign students travel over to Sydney to attend their programs. This made it really easy for Myrna to make a group of friends from the college who were also from Indonesia. They had a really great group that would get together to study, shop, and just hang out. It's always nice to have that little connection from home. One of Myrna's best friends at college was a woman named Jessica Kumala Wangso, who, like I said, was also of Indonesian descent. But Jessica had planned to stay in Australia long-term and had successfully applied for Australian Citizenship. Once school had finished, Myrna and many of the other girls went home, back to Indonesia, while Jessica stayed behind in Australia. Still, they made sure to keep in touch through social media, texting, and phone calls, and they made plans to visit in person again soon. As often happens in life, the two did drift a bit. After all, they were an ocean away from each other, and they were both in a very pivotal time in their lives. Things were busy. Myrna met a man named Arif Somarco and was head over heels in love with him. The two were to get married and they planned to start a family together. Things were really serious and everything was going really well in Myrna's life. She also managed to secure a really great graphic design job. On the other hand, Jessica was struggling. She had an on-again, off-again boyfriend who really wasn't all that great for her. According to people who knew them both, he had a drug and a drinking problem, and a lot of that was rubbing off on Jessica, who was normally very put together. In 2014, Myrna decides to travel back to Australia to meet up with some of her old friends, including her best friend, Jessica. Over the last few years, they've been a bit distant because of their very two different lives, but Myrna was hoping that they might be able to pick back up right where they left off. Unfortunately, things did not go according to plan. They met up for lunch and they talked about their lives and what they had been up to for the last few years. Jessica confided in Myrna about her toxic relationship with her boyfriend. And I think it was one of those discussions where Jessica just needed to vent to someone. She wasn't necessarily looking for advice. On the other hand, Myrna felt like Jessica could do so much better than what she had and that her boyfriend wasn't treating her like she deserved. In the end, Myrna told Jessica that she should kick him to the curb. Her boyfriend wasn't any good for her. Jessica didn't appreciate the life advice. She got so mad that she just up and left the table, not even leaving behind any money for her portion of the bill. Myrna had to pay for the rest of the lunch. Their friendship was pretty much over at that point, with Jessica not wanting to hear anything that Myrna had to say. Myrna returned to Indonesia and had that beautiful wedding she had always dreamed of in Bali. Because of the big fight that they had during that lunch in Australia, Myrna had opted not to invite Jessica to the wedding. And I'm sure Jessica didn't expect to be invited after the big blow-up they had, but she saw all of the wedding pictures on social media, including photos of all of their other friends who had been invited. This just added to the stress that Jessica was already experiencing in her life. I'm sure she felt really betrayed and left out and probably very jealous. She had broken up with that toxic boyfriend once and for all, and she was battling some pretty severe depression. Jessica was in and out of the hospital after attempting to take her own life on four different occasions, and she was drinking very heavily, so heavily that she got into a car accident while drunk. Luckily for her, the other person involved survived, and she walked away with only a broken rib and a few scratches. It could have been so much worse, but Jessica didn't really see it this way. She was at her lowest of lows, and she was fired from her job at New South Wales Ambulance for not performing her job properly due to her alcohol abuse. It's at this point that Jessica decides it might be better for her to return to Indonesia, where she has the support of her friends and family. And so, at the beginning of 2016, she does just that. Shortly after arriving back in Indonesia, Jessica decides to call Mirna up to see if she might want to grab some coffee and maybe patch things up. It's been years since Mirna has spoken to Jessica, so at first she's a little bit reluctant to say yes. But Mirna's husband said that she should really go and try to work things out, suggesting that maybe they invite a third friend named Hanny, as it would make things a little less awkward. And so it's agreed. The three women will meet up at a trendy coffee shop called Olivier Cafe at an upscale Jakarta mall on January 6th, 2016 at around 5pm. And CCTV footage would capture the whole meeting. Shortly after 5pm, Myrna and Hani arrive at the cafe, and they greet Jessica, who is already there, with a big hug. Everything seems perfectly pleasant, and Jessica lets them know that she's already gone ahead and ordered them all drinks. Two cocktails, one for her and one for Hanny, and an iced coffee for Myrna. The women sit down. Myrna takes a sip of her iced coffee and says it tastes Terrible. From there, everything happens very quickly. Myrna falls off her chair and begins to convulse on the floor with foam coming out of her mouth. Believing that she might be having a seizure, cafe staff run over and try to assist. They try to perform CPR, but nothing is helping. An ambulance is called while Henny calls Myrna's husband crying, telling him what has happened and to meet them at the hospital. But it's all too late. Myrna was dead on arrival at the hospital, which was located only five minutes away. She died less than an hour after taking a sip from her iced coffee. She was only 27 years old and very healthy. None of her friends or family could understand how she could just suddenly die like this. Back at the coffee shop, they begin to look at their equipment, their supplies, trying to find anything that may have made Myrna sick, but they couldn't find anything. And another 10 iced coffees were served earlier that day without anyone else getting sick. So they weren't really sure what had happened. At first, this was believed to be an accident. But everything would change when the medical examiner looked at Myrna's body. While a full autopsy was not done due to religious reasons, the medical examiner did report that her intestines showed corrosion. This meant that she may have been poisoned, possibly with cyanide. Her mouth was also blackened. Now the police were ready to step in. They went back to the cafe. Unfortunately, the iced coffee that Myrna had consumed had been thrown out by the staff, so they weren't able to test it. But they did interview all of the staff who had been working there that day, and several of them pointed to Jessica as behaving very strangely. They stated that she had been in the cafe earlier in the day and had just sort of sat there by herself long before her friends ever arrived. They also said that she was acting really weird when her friend was convulsing on the floor. She seemed very calm and was yelling at the staff that they had put something in her drink. Police pulled the CCTV footage from the cafe that day, and confirmed their statements. Here's what they saw in the video. On January 6th, the day of the meetup, Jessica gets to the cafe early. I mean, really early. She arrives at around 3.30 p.m. She sits at a table for a bit, and then she gets up and leaves. She's seen on the CCTV footage, returning to the cafe around 40 minutes later, now carrying three shopping bags that are full of soap. She says that they're gifts for the friends that she'll be seeing. She's still very early to the meeting, but she decides to grab a seat at table 54 and wait. A while later, Jessica goes to the counter and orders some drinks, two cocktails and an iced coffee. Again, this is a little bit strange because she's still very early, and why would you order drinks so early that are just going to sit around and melt? When they arrive at the table, she puts her three shopping bags on the top of the table, which again is a really strange thing to do. The three bags kind of obscure the view of the three drinks. She makes a series of movements over the bags, but the video is kind of fuzzy, and it's not completely clear as to what specific movements that she's making. Police say that they believe this is when she would have put the cyanide in the iced coffee. A while later, she takes the bags off the table and puts them back on the empty seat beside her. She continues to wait for her friends because, again, she is insanely early, like an hour early. At around 5.15 p.m., Myrna and Hani arrive at the cafe, and they all greet each other with hugs. They sit down at the table, and Jessica gives the drinks to her friends. She gives the cocktail to Hani and the iced coffee to Myrna. Myrna takes a sip of the coffee and makes a hand gesture as she says that the drink tastes disgusting. She asks Jessica to taste it, but Jessica refuses. Hanny, however, does take a small sip. Moments later, Myrna begins to convulse on the floor. This is when, allegedly, Jessica accuses the cafe staff of putting something in Myrna's drink. And they say that she seemed way more concerned about blaming them than getting any kind of help for her friend. The video footage is enough for the police to formally arrest Jessica and charge her with Mirna's premeditated murder, which carries a maximum penalty of the death sentence. In Indonesia, that means death by a firing squad. I love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in true accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages, so once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right. 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This case would become an absolute media sensation in Indonesia. People were shocked that a woman would allegedly poison her friend's iced coffee with cyanide, Especially Myrna's family and friends who knew that the two women had once had a very close relationship when attending college together in Australia. But also, people who just had a morbid curiosity began to flock to the cafe that Myrna died at. They wanted to sit at the booth where she was poisoned and also enjoy their own iced coffee. And that, my friends, is where I believe true crime enthusiasts push it a little too far, or a lot too far. Mirna's family really wanted for this to be a death penalty case. However, there was an agreement made between the Australian government, where Jessica was a permanent resident, and the Indonesian government, where all of this happened. And that meant the death penalty was off the table. Going to trial, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence brought forward, including that CCTV footage. But again, it was really difficult to say if the movements that Jessica made were actually of her putting cyanide in the iced coffee. But the prosecution did have some solid points. Why did Jessica refuse to take a sip of the iced coffee after Myrna said it tasted off and asked her to taste it? Also, what about her strange behavior after Myrna was on the ground unresponsive? She was seen on the tape and by cafe staff and guests just sort of standing there looking unfazed. But she was also seen scratching her hands and rubbing them against her pants, which experts say could be because she had handled the cyanide, which apparently makes skin itchy. I'll also note here that the following day, Jessica disposed of those pants that she was wearing so they could never be tested. And of course, that also raises a big red flag. But what would be the motive behind Jessica so heartlessly killing her longtime friend? The prosecution pointed to that argument and that falling out that they had a few years back when Myrna talked badly about Jessica's boyfriend and told her that they should break up. In my opinion, it seems kind of like a weak motive, but I guess people have killed for less. It was noted by witnesses back in Australia that Jessica's mental health was suffering badly. She didn't take the breakup with her boyfriend well at all. She had tried to take her own life on several occasions, and she had been fired from her longtime job. She was also facing charges related to drinking and driving. She likely felt as if her own life were falling apart, and perhaps... She was just angry and jealous that Myrna's life seemed to be going so well. Myrna was now working as a graphic designer. She had a happy marriage, and she was going to be starting a family soon. Maybe it was that comparison and jealousy that drove her to kill her longtime friend. Jessica's defense team pushed back, stating that all of it was just circumstantial, and besides, Where would she even have obtained cyanide? And would Jessica really fly all of the way from Australia back to Indonesia to act on a grudge from years ago and murder her friend? They brought forward a new theory and a new suspect. Myrna's husband, Arif. They claimed that one of the baristas from the cafe came forward to say that he was paid money by Arif to poison his wife. However, when this barista was brought to the stand to testify, he denied such claims, saying that that never happened, and he asked why he was still working as a barista if he were paid so much money by the husband to kill Myrna. So that theory kind of fell apart. So they pushed back against the idea that Myrna died of cyanide poisoning at all. Why was Hanni, who had also sipped the coffee after Myrna, fine and healthy? She didn't die of poisoning, which is an interesting question. Maybe she sipped it enough to have it touch her lips and then she just sort of let it go back into the straw because it tasted so badly. I'm not sure. According to expert witnesses, there's no toxicological evidence for the ingesting of cyanide. And while there was some cyanide found in Myrna's stomach, it wasn't enough to kill her. Unfortunately, the only way to conclude if Myrna had died of cyanide poisoning would be through an autopsy, but due to religious reasons, her family refused to have one performed. In my opinion, the defense team actually makes a compelling argument. Cases that are based entirely on circumstantial evidence are quite difficult to prove, and then without an autopsy, and the fact that Hanny was also seen on video sipping the same coffee but was okay, it does create doubt. But is it enough to save Jessica from serving jail time? The trial went on for five months, and it was broadcasted all across Indonesia. Less than a year after Mirna's death, on October 27th, 2016, Jessica Kumalo Wangzo was found guilty of the murder of Myrna Salihin. She was sentenced to 20 years in jail, and she was very lucky to escape the death penalty. The day the verdict was read, the courtroom was jam-packed with people who supported Jessica and really believed that she was innocent. Jessica gave a statement saying that the trial was unfair and one-sided. She has since tried to appeal her conviction, but it's been denied every time. During my research, I found something kind of interesting. There is an Instagram account for Jessica that is still live from before she was ever charged with murder, and she only has nine pictures on it. Some are of her, one is of her and her boyfriend, and of those nine pictures, one is a picture of Myrna's wedding, the wedding she wasn't invited to as if she took it off of social media somewhere and decided to repost it to her Instagram page. One of the comments on the photo is from someone who appears to be a mutual friend, and when translated to English, it says, How come you're fighting? It isn't good. Respect each other and don't hurt other people's heart. And I think that says a lot. Out of those nine photos that she ever posted to Instagram, one is of the wedding that she wasn't invited to. The wedding of someone she once considered a best friend. The wedding of the woman she would go on to murder. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper, or I'm on YouTube. That's Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. Until next time. Don't be a coffee spiking, Jessica. Bye.